For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, eating, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Hey everybody, Ed Kratz here, your co-host of Eagles Unfiltered with my colleague John McMullen. We are here one week to the day after Eagles training camp opened. It's day seven. Um, They have one more day of practice left and then they're off on Friday and a big weekend ahead uh, with the open practice at Lincoln Financial Field Sunday night. But first things first, John, uh, give us some of your highlights from today. Well, I think it was was two plays, and I think it was the up and down. There's some good and some bad. I think we saw the worst throw from Jalen Hurts, maybe in camp, where he didn't see Jacoby Stevens uh, under uh, the middle of a receiver, underneath the receiver, I should say. Uh, and Jacoby talked after practice. He mentioned his coaches telling him to get to these landmarks. He got to his landmark, made an interception of Jalen Hurts. That was the bad. The good, the very next play, Ed Kratz, no no head hanging from Jalen Hurts. He hits John Hightower down the left side of the field on a go route, maybe the biggest offensive player, offensive play of the session. So I think you kind of saw what I take from that, if you want a silver lining, is Jalen Hurts is able to come back from really, really bad plays, forget about it. And coaches always say you got to have a short memory in this league. Yeah, and that was a great throw he made to Hightower, but it was even a better catch um, because Zach McPherson, kind of the star so far of the camp, who got first-team reps today, by the way, because it was a maintenance day. Guys like Darius Slay, Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, they didn't practice. So Slay's on the sideline watching. So Zach McPherson is running with the ones, and Hightower made a really nice catch on that throw. It was a great throw right where it needed to be, but he had to adjust and kind of go up over McPherson. It was really good coverage by McPherson, but a great catch uh, by John Hightower. And, you know, John, that, today was kind of a wide receiver day. We talked to a lot of the receivers after practice. But the thing that has stood out to me as far as these receivers go, and, you know, we talked about uh, Kevin Petullo saying how speedy they are. You wonder if they can catch uh, on a consistent basis. But what I like so far is every day it seems like a different receiver has kind of stood out. We saw Hightower stand out. Uh, we have seen J.J. Ortega-Whiteside stand out at times, and we talked to him today. John, what do you what do you make of his chances of, of, of finding a home on this roster? It's going to be difficult. You can tell he's behind the eight ball. Remember, Devontae Smith is out. Jalen Rager had been out until a couple days ago. So you see the first-team reps. You see how they're rolling him. Travis Fulgham's gotten a lot. Greg Ward, now that he's been back, is getting a lot. Uh, Jalen Rager was back with the first team. You would think you'd see more J.J., especially after Devontae Smith went down. 
with the sprained knee. See him get a, a, a few more reps with the first team. When you talk about competition, that being a foundational principle of Nick Sirianni, hasn't gotten him. That, that to me is not, not a great sign. But JJ spoke, he seems in a better mental place. He seems to want to go back to what worked at Stanford as far as his approach off the field. And we'll see if that works for him. But he's, a, he's, a, he's up against it, no question. Yeah, it seemed like he really gets inside his own head. Uh, he talked about how, you know, he tried to emulate somebody who works hard all the time and he wanted to be like that person. And, and then he learns his body's not built for that. You know, we've seen JJ struggle uh, with some injuries in his first couple seasons. Uh, this year he's healthy so far and he talked about he's getting more reps in the slot, uh, which I think can only benefit him. He's a big target for sure. Especially in the red zone, I think. And that's where I noticed this in the spring. Yeah where Nick Sirianni might be looking at him as a package receiver. And in other words, you know, certain pa packages have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on the field, in the red zone, in the slot, where his big body can help go to the back end in line of the end zone. Who knows? You know, you throw it up to a point where only the receiver can get it. Maybe that's a role he can kind of carve out on this team. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we, I mentioned that they brought a lot of receivers through the media tent today. Travis Fulgham was one of those, and he's another big-body receiver. Um, and he was asked about last year how he kind of burst on the scene for those four or five games where he really stood out, looked like he was on track to have a 1,000-yard season, become the first Eagles receiver to do that since Jeremy Macklin in 2014. Um, what, did, what did you learn from Fulgham in the <clears throat> takeaway on that front? Well, he tried to shy off it, but what we heard behind the scenes is maybe his practice habits weren't the greatest uh, from the prior coaching staff. And, you know, we were in Pittsburgh when he had that great game. He looked right. like Randy Moss. He Ten catches, 150-some yeah, yards. Just yeah. dominating yeah. to the point. And I think Doug Peterson and Aaron Moorhead looked at him and said, Okay, it's great. You're doing it on game day, but you got to do it during the week in a practice. They were trying to send him a message. And even though Doug isn't here, Aaron is still here, you know, maybe that resonates. Maybe he realizes that, okay, I can't just show up on Sunday. I have to prove myself during the week. Uh, I think that was the message that was trying to be sent. We'll see if it has been sent with the new coaching staff. And he also mentioned Alshon Jeffrey. You know, his decline in snaps had to do with the return of Alshon Jeffrey. And even though Jeffrey didn't make an impact when he returned, and, you know, Alshon's still out there looking for a job, right? You wonder if his career is going to be over. Um, you know, Fogum said that it's not his job to question the coaches, you know. But I think that was kind of a sore spot with him. Uh, it was kind of being yanked from the lineup. Uh, when Alshon Jeffrey came back, yeah, it could have had to had to do with his uh, work ethic and maybe taking some reps for granted. Yeah. Uh, but I think it really stuck with him that Alshon took his job. And even though it was Alshon's spot before he got hurt, Jeffrey didn't do anything. And Fulgham deserved no. to get those reps last yeah. year. I, I think there was definitely a little veteran deference to Alshon Jeffrey and the fact what he did for this organization in the past, the Super Bowl season. Uh, the coaching staff wanted to sort of pay that deference and say, okay, here's your job. You don't lose it because you're injured. But, yeah, if you saw Alshon late last season, there's a reason he's not signed right now. Physically, he can't run anymore to the degree he used to. And remember, speed was never his game to begin with. So you kind of lose that ability as an NFL player. 
the, the, the old coaching staff probably should have stuck with Travis Fulgham, even with some of those hiccups, because he proved a lot in that week. And I asked him, you know, did you prove anything to yourself, Travis, uh, today? And what he said is, I thought I can do it. Now I know I can do it. And I think that's pretty big. So John and I I'm were getting bitten, by the way, every day <laughs> there's something when we do these shows. Yeah. So there you what's go. What's biting you? What you? What's going I on? I don't know. But it was something. Oh, down on I the got it. Area, I got it. Huh? I got it all. All right. We'll keep it over there. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. You and I are watching, you know, some of these 11 on 11s. And it was a very heavy, I thought, run game oriented session. Uh, 11 on 11. All three of them, really, uh, I think were really heavily geared toward working on the run game. Um, it was kind of a low key practice. But John and I were on the sidelines and. Uh, John, you, you mentioned something that maybe I didn't follow up on. You said that you think this team is going to go out and sign a, a veteran-type wide receiver. Why, why, do you, why do you feel like that? Well, I, I think they need one, number one. I think it's the most obvious need on this team after a week. And it was funny because Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie and Andy Weidel and Nick Sirianni were spotted on the field after practice yesterday sort of having a, a get-together. You know, who knows? They could be talking about crab fries. Chickies and Pete's was here yesterday. They could be talking about, you know, am I going with uh, mango for the water ice readers? Or they could be talking about, hey, we need a veteran wide receiver. To me, that's the most obvious need on this team. You look at that room as a whole, Greg Ward is kind of that guy. I mean, and I forget which one of the receivers, I think it was John Hightower mentioned last year, you know, those young guys had Deshaun Jackson and all Sean Jeffrey to learn from. Now, they were injured. They weren't on the field. But, man, they've done a lot in this league, both of them. And they were those sounding boards for those young players. I don't think any of them have that this time around. I mean, nothing against Greg Ward, but he hasn't had much success in this league other than being able to stick around for a little while. When you're talking about versus Pro Bowl-type receivers, that the Eagles have had in the past. I just need, I just think they need a veteran body at that position. And, you know, the second part of it is uh, nobody's kind of sees things since Devontae Smith. It's only been a couple days, but you start to look at that first team and it was Travis Fulgham, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward today. Nobody's really sees those, those positions. Right. It seems like I said earlier, it just seems like a bunch of different guys stepping up each day, but um, and maybe that's why we see Nick Sirianni spending a lot, probably in an, in a, a, an unhealthy amount of time yeah. with the wide receivers. I would argue unhealthy. Right. you got to be the head coach of this football team. Yeah, so. but he is running around at different position groups, but he does spend a lot of time working with those receivers. And, you know, yes, he has that wide receiver background, but you wonder, like you said, if it, it's because there is no real veteran presence to kind of – uh, you know, help guide some of these guys like Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager and, you know, some of these younger, younger receivers um, along. So maybe that's why he's spending so much time with the receivers. I mean, it's very <laughs> noticeable how often he is with that receiver. Yeah, because group. you think about it, be, uh, after practice, before we got the receivers, uh, J.G. Jonathan Gannon spoke about his defense, and he was talking about certain guys you can go on the defensive line. If you're Milton Williams, you can go to Fletcher Cox. You can go to Brandon Grant. And he said, watch. Watch what those guys do. Watch what they say. Yes. They've done it at such a high level for so long. 
even a linebacker. Okay, not here, but Eric Wilson has played. He's made plays in this league. He understands the defense. Watch what he does. Watch what he what he does on the field as far as studying, as far as how to do the job. Safety, it's Anthony Harrison, Rodney McLeod, even though Rodney's not healthy. You don't have that at receiver. No, and that's a great dichotomy is, yeah, J.G. mentioned that. And you're right. The Eagles, Devontae Smith can't go to someone like an Alshon with the experience or, or someone that they might bring in and say, hey, you know, how do I do this better? So they're, you know, they're leaning on Darius Slay and Steve Nelson to kind of, uh, you know, guide them along as receivers. Like, what can we do differently to get open, to create space, separation, whatever the case may be. And Slay seems to be great at that because Slay, I know day one of camp, go all the way back there. He really had a big day. I gave him my practice game ball, kind of shut down Devontae Smith. You remember, it was sort of a welcome to the NFL moment. You remember they started with all that red zone work. But after practice, he was talking to Devontae Smith. He was showing him, look, this is what you do to get a release off this type of coverage. So, you know, Darius Slay is a fun-loving sort of energetic, goopy guy at times, but uh, he's really helpful as a veteran player uh, for both young cornerbacks and young, young receivers. Yeah, you see him on the sideline today. You know, he's obviously he's having this maintenance day, so he's just kind of watching from there. He's dancing to the music, you know. He's just, you're right, he is a fun-loving guy, um, good person to have on this team. But uh, it was a short practice today, less than 75 minutes. I think it might have been the shortest practice of camp. Love that, Nick Sirianni. Love it. <laughs> and you know what? He's missing an opportunity to here to practice them longer because this is the second day that we haven't had any sunshine. It's a nice breeze right now. There's no humidity. This would have been a good two-and-a-half-hour practice day. Uh, but, you know, obviously Nick has his reasons for doing it. Uh, Quez Watkins was asked about it afterward, and he said that he likes the short practice because it's very detailed and it's very competitive, which is something he said he didn't have last year or anywhere else along that's the way. A, that's a backhanded shot. He's been, I, I and know. a Super Bowl winning uh, coach, I know. Quez Watkins. And I'm pretty sure he said that. You know, Quez Watkins, we had him in the mix zone today, so he was like six feet away from us, and he's a very soft talker. You can hardly hear him yeah. talk. You know, so, but I do. You learn that from all shots. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and same with John Hightower. I mean, John Hightower speaks at a proper volume, but he doesn't give you a whole lot of information. Yeah. Um, but anyway, listen, we're going to wrap it up here um like i said uh tomorrow thursday it will be the final practice of the week they're off friday then they're back at it saturday morning and then at the link in front of the public on sunday night and john mcmullen and i will have you covered every step of the way thanks again for listening without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.